0: Uh, for two more weeks in Luke, before we take our break for Advent, Advent will start, Thanksgiving so early this year, so Advent will start December 2nd, and we'll have four weeks of kind of Christmas celebrations and get you get you involved in that, December 2nd, 9th, 16th, and 23rd, and we will have our Christmas Eve service on the day before Christmas Eve, so that that's kind of been set now. December 16th, again, the dates aren't in the program, so you might want to write those down, we'll have them in there next week, so, you know, December 16th will in the evening will be our children's program along with after that we'll have some adult things because typically we get the children in here and a lot of the parents come that only time they come uh, is for that and uh, we don't want them to feel like it's kind of like a school recital we want to really give them the gospel as well and then we'll have our cider and cookies that night on the 16th and then on the 23rd what we typically do on christmas eve lord's supper uh, candlelight carols that that will be the, the 23rd this year so you can make plans Luke chapter 11 is all about the hostility between the religious leaders and Jesus. And then in Luke 12, Jesus takes that hostility and fuels it to start a discussion with his disciples based on barriers or hurdles that followers of Jesus will face. And uh, we've looked at two of them, these dangers and threats. Uh, We've talked about hypocrisy being a threat to those who follow Christ, and last week it was greed. Today it is worry or anxiety. Let's read the section. And then we'll begin to talk about it, and I trust will be an encouragement. Twelve, verse twenty-two, That's where we left off, and here we go. This is right after he tells the story about the rich fool who wanted to build his barns, and also that was that was uh, instigated by the man who said, "Hey, tell my brother to give me my money," and it was a desire to have and to grow and to be secure with uh, material things, financial wealth. And Jesus, in verse twenty-two, turns to his disciples. And, and on the heels of this rich fool who thought he was going to live forever and enjoy his wealth, and he died that night, his soul being required by God, remember, called in as a loan. God said, I've, I've loaned you your life long enough, and for any of us, that moment could be the next instant. <coughs> I, I, I was like to tell, tell, tell the children at school this. You know, take a breath, everybody take a breath, and you kind of realize you're doing it now. And that could be the last one, if the Lord desired. And so we have to be very, very mindful of that. So he turns to his disciples and says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For your life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." Before we kind of begin, you kind of are familiar with some of those phrases, aren't you? But they're not worded in the way that you normally recognize. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paraphrased in the Luke account. Things like, uh, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where, where uh, thieves cannot break in and steal, and moth and rust do not corrupt. Worded that way, similar, but not exactly. That's the Matthew passage, this is the Luke passage. And what most people believe is the reason these are a little bit different is because Jesus probably spoke on these messages in different places, but, but proclaimed the same message. In other words, this is a teaching that is a theme of the Lord's. This is not just kind of a one-off, hey, this might be important. This is something that he would constantly come back to. And so it, it brings us to this important theme today of this danger of worry. <coughs> Now, they say Latin is a dead language, so let's determine if that's really true or not. Medici cura te ipsum. Anyone have any idea what that means? Medici cura de ipsum. It's a phrase that was used in the 400, 500 B.C.s and even is quoted as a proverb in Luke. Medici, doctor, cura, heal, physician, heal yourself. Physician, heal yourself. Medice cura te ipsum. Try that once. You'll look smart when you talk to your friends about it. The concept is of a sick doctor who has the remedy to pass out to people and to relieve their suffering, but n- does not take the medicine himself. Symbolically, it came to be used as a proverb for someone who is giving out moral directives that they are not applying to themselves. Follow that? Do this, and it will really help you. I have the same struggle, but I'm not going to do it myself. Say to that person, physician, heal thyself. In regard to this area of worry, I'm ashamed to preach this message today because I'm a failure at this. Um, I'm a failure when it comes to being worried and anxious and looking for things to trust in other than the Lord, whether it be health or finances or this church or ministry, are you a worrier too? Maybe you're not. Maybe not. maybe everybody can leave and I'll just preach the message to myself because it's something that I need. Uh, in July, I started having this weird pain. I told you about it, right? And we have started going through it and <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm just embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm worried. I'm I worried about it, and I did not trust the Lord. I became so dependent on other things, and not to be gruesome or crass, I, I became dependent on certain physical activities uh, that would then give me confidence that I was okay, um, leaving it at that. And, and then certain, certain physical activities, and say, oh, no, I, I'm going to croak. Nobody ever thinks that, right? I got a pain here, a pain here. Maybe I, yeah. I mean, I struggled. I struggled. And then I see this passage coming up on the schedule, and I'm thinking, oh, great. Uh, Medice curate ipsum. Plain and simple, worry is sin. Because worry is a failure to trust God and believe what he says. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Well, I don't believe that unless the bank account has the right number in it. Uh... The church offering is hitting the marks, um, and, and the health issue is under control. Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust I shall not be afraid. So I sing songs, what have I to dread, what have I to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms, but I don't really believe it because I'm a worrier. I hope you are, too, because I'm feeling a little alone right now. Um, we're told by our doctors that we need to manage our anxiety or get our worry under control or get our, get our stress levels down. It's all about managing it. When Jesus says, eliminate it, correct? Now, there's no question that certain anxieties and certain, I mean, I've, I've come to believe that there are certain medical conditions that require uh, a certain level of medication because of chemical, I mean, we understand that the brain is, a, is, a, is an organ that is not easily diagnosed. I'm not saying that. But for me, personally, my worries had nothing to do with that. My worries are like, God, why are you doing this to me, and this isn't fair, and I'm going to croak, and I'm having all these pains, and what are you doing? And I seriously would look at Jessa and think, what's going to happen to her when her dad's gone? I mean, I'm being very transparent, okay? Maybe, maybe none of you have these experiences, and, and you're going to leave. i like, Pastor is an idiot but this is, this is what I've been going through for three months. And it's sad that when the doctor wakes me up, it was kind of like a creepy horror film, okay, when I'm having this test, I'm like going under anesthetic, and uh, the guy shoots the serum in, good night. I'm like, wait a minute, here, hold on. And then I wake up and I hear the nurse, Andrew, Andrew, everything is fine. And now... You know what, since then the pain has really subsided. Isn't that, isn't that ridiculous? Meanwhile, the Lord has said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When I worry and I'm anxious about that and when you do, what we're, really, what we're really exposing about ourselves is that we really don't trust the word of God. When the doctor told me, oh, now I'm good. Or when the banker tells me, now I'm Okay. Whatever it is, the worry that you, I'm not trying to relate my situation to yours, and I hate to put myself in the center of the story, but just kind of a way of illustrating this picture. Why do we worry? We typically worry when we are insecure about something or things are unstable. And the temptation then is to seek security in some earthly source. That's, that's what, worri- like, I'm worried about this situation. I need to be secure, and so I need to find that security in some earthly or material goods. In our story, it's the financial man, the man who comes to Jesus and says, I want my brother to share my inheritance with me. It comes from the rich fool who's thinking his big barns will produce that security that he has always desired so he can relax and take up his ease and that he does not understand that there is a spiritual dilemma that he is not facing. In verse number 22, we see the word therefore, which indicates that the connection to the parable is going to lead to the teaching of the disciples to help them in this area. And Jesus has already told followers to depend on their Father for their daily bread, right? Pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. But God, what if you don't do it? I'm concerned. My daily needs might not be met. And so worry and anxiety is a distraction to followers of Christ. Understand this. This is not a message that is to help you manage your worry or get rid of your worry. It's to, it's to indicate to me, and this is so true of me, it's to indicate to me that worry is a, like a brick wall for my following Jesus. It, it hinders my relationship with him. It hinders my ministry because I'm overwhelmed with the worry. It, it keeps me from doing things It actually leads to nervousness, a lack of courage, a lack of focus, despondency, despair, looking for security in other places at all costs, a lack of confidence, and even panic attacks so many things to worry about probably things are rising to the forefront of your minds jesus lays out the two most basic issues of life that there are to worry about food and clothes right in the passage do not be anxious in verse 22 do not be anxious about your life i mean these are basic things to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on your body clothing and this is because Jesus is suggesting, and he said this before, that the cure for greed is giving, giving to God and giving to others. In verse 21, he says the one who lays up treasure for himself is not, uh, must be uh, and is not rich towards God. There's, there's, the, there's the idea of the person who is trusting material goods and hoarding instead of being rich toward God and giving and investing. And it becomes even more clear at the end of our passage today, which we'll get to momentarily, verse 33, this is, this is the ultimate cure for, for your worry and anxiety, is give stuff away. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, but then well, how will I have food and clothing if I give everything away? The cure for greed and even the cure for anxiety is to trust God and give things away. Worry must be seen in our lives as one of those flashing warning lights That I am not thinking rightly about God. That I'm not thinking about God and his character. That I'm not thinking rightly about God and his promises. That I'm not thinking rightly about God and his priorities. Worry is I'm just thinking about who? Myself. And God has kind of moved away because I can't see God. God is not saying everything... God is not personally coming to me and saying everything, all right? Even though He is saying that through His Word, but I, I'm str- I mean I believe that with my whole heart. I believe that God cares for me. I believe that He will sustain me, Psalm 55. But when I face these trials and worries, right? Max and his cousin are driving home from South Carolina in a bad snowstorm. What if this happened? You know what I mean? I mean worries can pop up everywhere in our lives. So what I would like to do is give us three reasons why worrying is sin, and then explain how that relates to our uh, opinion or theology of God and then give some final applications so let's walk through them together we'll, we'll try to be brief but three reasons in the passage why Jesus says worrying is wrong and we're going to move around a little bit but then we'll come back to the two illustrations which are so helpful number one we should not worry because there is more to life than material needs we should not worry because there's more to life than material needs. Worrying about things, even whether it's food and clothes, indicates that we have a conflict between trusting God and trusting what we can hold and see. And typically it's when you go to your, uh, you know, uh, chasebank.com and look at that bottom line number or, or people who are so devoted to CNBC that if the stocks are down, they're, they're very worried we tend to look at those things and feel confident or worried based on a physical or material thing and Jesus says there's much, there's more to life than stuff that is not where you can find your security instead of realizing god can provide one thought here is this that even when we are satisfied with life's basic necessities and looking around we've probably all eaten this week and we all have clothes but even when we have the satisfaction of life's basic necessities, that is not the end all because there are greater human needs that people leave unsatisfied. Okay? Here's what Jesus is saying. I'll try to step away here so I can kind of communicate it in a way that makes sense to me. Is that when we are so concerned about our material well-being, we forget that there is a spiritual well-being that we are ignoring. Okay? And so Jesus says, there's more to life then this, there is this. Okay? And when we focus so much on the material security, we may indicate that we're, we're not focusing on the spiritual well-being that he wants to provide. And think about it. Jesus even illustrates that to us in the, in the area of food. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. If you never hunger, it means you are full, you are satisfied. You are are content. And he also says, I am the living water. He who drinks of he who takes this living water, he tells the woman at the well, will never thirst. So you will never hunger, never thirst. You will be completely spiritually satisfied. And worrying about material needs will distract us from thinking about spiritual needs. And those of us who worry so much about material needs, and I would say that the food and clothing, and and I put in the category for myself, you know, health issues or safety issues, uh, these kind of major life things, I want to make sure physically I'm okay. That's, I think, the bottom line. And Jesus says there's more to life Than the physical elements that we see and touch there's more to physical life and by focusing on the physical life You're missing out on the spiritual life, which by the way, i'm here to offer freely isaiah 55 Oh, everyone that wants this drink come let him take and buy and eat and bread and he can have it all free By the grace of god, right? That is what is crucially important. We should not worry because there's more to life than material needs number two We should not worry Because worry Doesn't accomplish anything Worry doesn't accomplish anything. Now, let's skip a little bit in the passage. The first point I made is found in verse 23. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. I think I summarized that by saying life isn't all about physical. It's about spiritual. Then we skip to verse, we'll come back to the illustrations about the birds and stuff. But look at verse uh, 25. Which of you, by being anxious, very similar to worry, can add a single hour to his span of life? You may have a translation that says, May add a cubit to his height there's there's two ways to interpret that uh, some translators have said this is about worrying that I'm not tall enough. others are thinking it's worried I might croak I might not live long enough i want i want my I want my life to expand so i, I don't i think the translator who said it it's talking about time i mean which which is a greater worry that we're not tall i mean some of us worry that we're not tall enough but but uh i d- i just wasn't pointing at anybody specifically, but some of us are not. Are worried about our height. We always. I mean, I always wanted to be h- taller. I remember going to the gym in college and putting these big rubber band straps on us, and me and this guy, we really wanted to dunk a basketball, and so this is supposed to help you, and you're working on it, and you're like, okay, that maybe people do worry about that. But I think the ultimate worry is my life, right? I, I want to extend my life. Well, which of you, by worrying, is going to somehow uh, extend your life? When God says, snuff it out, it's it's done, correct? I mean, y- you worrying about, it, well, what if I have, I mean, I'm speaking to myself. What if I have this and this? and I might do this. God's sovereignty is in question here. Philosopher said this. I, I read this in my study. I thought it was good. Worriers feel every blow that never falls, and they cry over things they will never lose. And then I heard something else. I can't remember where I heard it or read it, but it was like we, like, 80% or something of this, we, things we worry about, and I don't know how they got that number, but it's, it's some very high off the charts number. We worry about things that will never, ever, ever happen. And we just waste our time. Worrying doesn't accomplish anything. Worrying is useless. Okay, now, ultimately, worry is a sin because it's a mistrust of God. And I'm going to explain that again, but this is what Jesus is saying. Who of you, by worrying or by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So, number one, worrying indicates that, we're, uh, that there's more to life than. Worrying is wrong because there's more to life than material needs. Second, worrying is wrong because we, worrying doesn't accomplish anything. Third, worrying is wrong because God takes care of even the smallest parts of nature. God takes care of even the smallest parts of nature. That's reason number three. And here we want to use the illustrations that our Lord uses in the passage. Two times he brings these illustrations up by using the word consider. Uh, verse number 24 and verse number 27 he starts those statements by consider 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 and he's going to use things in the physical realm to illustrate a point point. and so when jesus says consider the word means take note think about dwell upon doesn't mean just quickly dismiss so let's dwell upon these things as the lord commands us to do you can almost imagine jesus out in the in the uh outdoors teaching and pointing to these two objects which are Lilies, and the lilies of the field, flowers, and ravens, birds. Okay, so let's consider these. Verse number 24, let's consider illustration number one about God caring about the smallest aspects of nature. Um, Illustration number one, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have neither storehouses nor barns, and yet God feeds them. This doesn't mean that I can sit around and not work and God's going to take care of me. Th- just because the birds don't labor, that, 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 that's not the application. The application is God cares for these creatures. And when I read that, uh, I thought about, uh, why didn't God say like hummingbird or robin or some beautiful bird that we, I don't know what other beautiful bird there is, but some bird that we, is more attractive, peacock. Some bird that is, oh, that's a, that's a neat bird, a pheasant. He said the raven, which may be a specific raven, but it, it also was a catch-all term in the Bible used for crows, blackbirds. I mean, he's, he's a, a raven is a crummy bird. A raven is actually, in Leviticus chapter 11, it's an unclean bird for the Jews. And a raven is a scavenger. A raven pretty much just eats what's left. It actually, in the scripture, says it pokes out the eyes of its victim to make sure it's dead. This is a, this is a raven. It's disgusting. It's got a, a three-foot wingspan. It's a predator, a, sca, a, a scavenger, I should say. And also, uh, it has a harsh cry. I won't try to imitate it now. But it was, it was actually kind of symbolic of a bad omen. Ravens are around. So you can almost imagine ravens above, can't you? I don't think Jesus would say, consider the ravens, and they'd be like, well, what's a raven? They're, they're looking around at these birds. And Jesus is saying, how do you think these birds eat? Who does that? God does. Actually, the raven in the Bible is everywhere a symbol for the goodness of God. Think about this. When Elijah was running away from the queen and hid by the brook and said, Nobody loves God but me, ravens brought him food. In Job chapter 38, verse 41, as God was speaking to Job, who provides for the raven its prey? When it's young ones, baby ravens, cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food. Who takes care of those baby ravens? Who takes care of the baby ravens? God does. And then he says, How much more value are you than birds? So the point is, I'm going to worry about whether God is going to provide for me when baby ravens are provided for by God? He argues from the lesser to the greater in both of these, if God is going to provide for birds, and especially a bird like the raven, will he not provide for you? So in a sense, God has said, rather than being a reputation of a bad omen, we should say that the raven is a reputation for God's providential care for his people. And almost any time you see a blackbird, raven, crow, rook, whatever, it's a, it's a blackbird, you should say, that is, a, that is a reminder to me. For the rest of your life, you should think this. That is a reminder to me, anytime I see a blackbird, that God cares for me. The raven, the raven should really be a circle with a line through it that says worry, right? I don't have to worry because God cares for that bird. Will he not also care for me? Illustration number two, a little more brief, is the lilies, the lilies of the field, The lilies could be a specific flower, I didn't write down the Latin term, I thought we had enough Latin in the sermon today, but it could also mean a variety of different flowers that are very impressive in their show of blossom and variety of colors. Uh, they would blossom very brightly in Israel in the spring. It could be that this was in the spring. I'm, I didn't research that enough to know what time frame Jesus is giving this, but the people would understand that in the Holy Land. They would know what lilies of the field were. And do, they do not toil and spin. They do not work. Again, the point is not that we do not work and God cares for us. This is verse number 27. They do not toil or spin, but they are more glorious than Solomon was when he was arrayed in all his glory. Think of the king in those days the wealthiest man perhaps that lived in those days decked out in his glorious clothes well the lily is more impressive and more beautiful than that and who does that god and so he takes the food issue and he takes the clothing issue and he says look at the birds look at the lilies i got that under control and then he uses the same phrase verse number um 28 when he says, hey, God clothes this grass, which the lilies last a season, and then they gather it up and it's all burned. It's all withered away. Uh, how much more? Same phrase. How much more will he clothe you? And here's the problem. You have little faith. Your, your opinion about God is wrong. Okay? So again, Jesus argues from the lesser to the greater. If I will help the ravens, and even Job 38, the baby ravens, will I not feed you? And if I clothe the lilies... Which are here for a few months and then are burned, cut down, thrown in the oven. Will I not take care of you? Ah, oh, you people who don't believe me. That's what he's saying. Worry and anxiety. Then now I want to connect these each of these three, and we're, we're moving towards the end. I want to connect each of these three to an opinion that is wrong about God. Okay, worry and anxiety is a sin because it is a it is a disconnect or a betrayal from our right thinking about God. Now, let's think through each one of these. If you wrote these down, you can glance back at them. If not, just listen here. I said, number one, we should not worry because there is more to life than material needs. So here's the wrong theology about God. We don't see God as our satisfaction, as our satisfaction. We want to be satisfied with the doctor report. We want to be satisfied with the bank statement. We want to be satisfied when all is going well in our lives and there are no concerns of great importance. Instead of seeing I don't care what is happening in my material world, I am resting sure in the spiritual world that God is my satisfaction. God is my living bread God is, and Jesus specifically, is my living bread. Jesus is my living water. I will never hunger. I will never thirst. I have spiritual satisfaction. All that stuff is so temporal, it doesn't matter. We don't see God as our satisfaction. We want to be satisfied, or we could even use the word secure in a different way. Second, we shouldn't worry because it doesn't accomplish anything. I would say the problem is we don't see God as sovereign, We don't see God as sovereign. That's the wrong thing. We don't see God as our satisfaction. We don't see God as sovereign. We can't worry in adding adding one more hour to our life because we don't see God as the sovereign God who makes those decisions and we can trust him. God is sovereign. And third, we should not worry because God cares for things in nature. And just because I'm using the letter S, I know it's not great, but we don't see God as our safe keeper, our safe keeper who will care for us. I like that word, although it doesn't fit very well, safekeeping. Who are you trusting your safekeeping to? Yourself or him? So worry then is a sin because it reveals, even though we are saying, even though Andy is saying and has said and has sung these things about God his whole life, when, when, when a trial or situation comes, medice cura te ipsum, right? Stop dispensing the medicine for all the congregation who is worrying and start taking the medicine for yourself and understand God is your satisfaction. Understand God is your sovereign. Understand God is your safekeeper. Disciples of Christ should not pursue these things and worry for a couple of reasons. Keep going in the passage. We're going we're to wind this down. So he says, after he, con- after he says it's you of little faith, see, worry is, a, worry is a faith problem. Worry is a belief problem. That's why I was just going over that. It's a uh, theology problem. So he, then he says, here's what you should do. Do not seek what you are to eat and do drink. Don't focus on those things, followers of Christ, and don't be worried about it. Why? Because that's what the nations of the world do. That's what the nations of the world do. Everybody is doing that. Everybody is seeking those things. Everybody is seeking advancement and seeking... Uh, seeking their security in material things don't do that I would say be different be different than that is one reason and then also know that your father knows you need them be dependent disciples of Christ should not pursue material things of the world uh at a at a uh unbalanced in an unbalanced way in other words we do need food and clothing we do need those things to live but Derek read our passage this morning if I have those things I'm content I don't need the abundance of riches for security. I should be different from the nations of the world who pursue that. I should be dependent on God because, and isn't this great? Isn't the, isn't the word Jesus uses great? Who knows we need these things? Look at the passage. Who is the one who knows that we need these things? You're who? Your Father. Not your Master, not your God, not your all-powerful, omnipotent Lord. Right? Even though he is those things, your father. Which of you who has a son, and he wants to go to the Michigan game when he's home, says, son, we're not going to the Michigan game. We're going to the dentist. Now that's a different translation of the scripture, right? Which of you has a father who says, a son who says, dad, can I have a bread? Here's a snake. Can I have a fish? Here's a scorpion. If you as fathers know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give you, right? Your Father. I love that phrase we sung. Um, I put my work, my uh, songbook s- somewhere. Um, I even pointed it out as we were singing it. Um, it was the All Praise to Him. Um, he He guides the galaxies above. There's the All Powerful Creator. Yet bends to hear our every. Prayer with sovereign power and tender care. What a great line that is! It's not just a line, but the truth that it is. So, with that in mind, what applications can we make? Okay, let's let's. I've said let's wrap this up a couple times. Let's really do that now, and let's let Jesus make the application. Okay, you see that he walks from worry, uh, or excuse me, anxiety in verse twenty-two, and then he says anxious in verse twenty-five. Now he kind of leads it to fear in verse thirty-two. And so here's the application, even in verse 31. So instead of seeking after material things, and this is very close to Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom. So seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. The these things is the food, the clothing, the material goods. But you should seek his kingdom instead. And fear not, little flock, for again, he uses the term father, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. What does this mean? That's the application. Okay, so now we're saying, okay, what should I do with my worry? Not to manage it, but to eliminate it. What should I do about this? I'm, I'm concerned. Instead of being like the rich man or the brother who comes and wants the money, I, I should, should I just abandon those things? Should I, should I stop working? Uh, should I, <laughs> should I retire? That's kind of an inside joke. Now, should, should I stop working and should I, should I just uh, live off the land and and trust the Lord to have ravens bring me food? I mean, is that what he's saying here? Of course not. But, but the idea is, hey, if you make, this is, the, this is the application, seek God's rule, and that word means set your heart upon it, make it your objective. In other words, pursue God's rule in every area of your life and respond to him as he desires. His kingdom, his glory, his reign in the world is my defining purpose, not my security and happiness. When my security and happiness and safekeeping is my top priority, God takes a back seat, and that's why I'm not a good disciple, because I'm more concerned about myself than on his kingdom advancement. So the application is, hey, seek his rule, seek his kingdom, and in that, don't be afraid, because God is going to provide these other things. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is not seek these things, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, if I'm living for Christ, God's going to help me win the lottery, and my new car will be in the driveway, it just means you're going to be taken care of, and it also means those things aren't going to be important to you anymore. Because who cares about new jeans or Captain Crunch when I have the kingdom, right? That is the Father's good pleasure, verse uh, 32, to give me the kingdom, to give me what Himself, Him as my Lord, Him as my Father. Hmm. Don't be afraid. We will receive. That which has ultimate significance. We talked about it, you know, last week a little bit, when the fool dies and people go through his stuff. They just go through his stuff, all the stuff he accumulated, all the stuff that he was secure in. His barn full of antique cars. His, uh, not the none of these things are wrong, but, but the things that are left behind are picked over by other people. And to miss out on the ultimate significance of heaven and eternal life, that's the danger here. Let's not be distracted by something else that we miss the main objective. Sometimes we're dazzled and worried about temporal things and we miss the kingdom. There's two ways to live. For ourselves and the things of this world, the rich fool, how'd that end for him? Or for God and his kingdom. And to do this specifically, note how he concludes. And this will be done. We seek the kingdom and look at sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Instead of using that money to buy the 1968 Camaro or whatever, I'm just making that up, which rust will eventually attack and destroy. Again, not that those things are wrong, but if that's your investment, then you're missing out on God's great plan. Sell your possessions, give to the need, provide yourself money bags that do not grow. In other words, invest in something that will last. Here's Here's the bottom line summary, okay? Bottom line summary. For disciples, worrying is sin because it reveals a lack of distrust of God. And so to cure that, generosity and the giving away of material goods helps us to realize the temporal nature of it, right? We we, we give away to the needy instead of hoarding for ourselves, and by doing so, we're investing in something that will last. We're investing in something that's eternal. That's what disciples do. Worrying is a waste, so work on what's worth it. Worrying is a waste, so work or invest in what's worth it. What does it matter what the bank account is if there are people around who are needy? Or That's what disciples do. They are focused on others. And that worry can be a very big issue. He concludes the passage by saying, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. What you care about is going to drive you as a, as a follower of Christ. And the encouragement is, hey, let's trust our loving Father and forget about gathering things because all those things are going to be corrupted. Moths are going to eat the clothes. Rust is going to damage the, the metals. So why am I collecting those things? Invest in what is of real eternal value. Shall we pray? Father, I'm sorry for mistrusting you, and I'm sure others would agree this morning that when we worry, we, we're just abandoning what we truly believe about you, that you are our good and loving Father. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for being a good God, a a tender Father, um, provides all our needs. May we be disciples, followers of Christ that don't hoard but give, that recognize the the value of eternal things and instead of building up a legacy of uh, earthly wealth, that we are generous and giving and kind as you are and that we are investing then in wallets that will not grow old and in treasure that will never rot. Make us eternally minded. Keep us free from worry, anxiety, and fear. Help us to stop sinning in this way. Be distracted from our ministry of being followers of Christ and advancers of your kingdom. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.